Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Your boy Q, Vinny Bonsignor, and we're joined here at the table by Monday morning quarterbacks Albert Breer. And Albert, we're here at the at the owners' meetings. How are you doing so far today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired, but uh, <laughs> I'll make it through. Well, See, yeah, he had to come all the way from the East Coast. We just drove I just up drove Vegas. on up. Nice, easy drive. You know, What's that, six hours? Four, four and a half. Four oh, and that's half. not bad at all. Yeah. All right. You got here in four? <laughs> Vinny was fine. I might have broken a couple laws right, on the right. way over. Well, Albert, we're talking to the coaches this morning, and then all of a sudden, during that time, Lamar Jackson tweets out that he asked for a trade. I yep. mean, one, that was the time it was perfect. I mean, he knew what he was doing when he yeah. put that out there. But what did you make of that when you saw that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of a <laughs> – it almost felt like, oh, people don't think we know what we're doing. We know exactly what we're doing. And I think um, to some degree it was like firing a nuke at the team. Right. You know, and, and, and you see this sometimes where, you know, these sorts of things happen privately and then a player doesn't get the result he wants, right. so he feels the need to take it public, which that is not – on that happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I certainly think like between this and – between, you know, Lamar's associate, like, reaching out to teams on his behalf, you know, over the last week, there's certainly a feeling that, you know, like, they, like, now, like, Lamar feels like he needs to push this, and they're getting a little uncomfortable with their position, and, um, you know, certainly, I think, you know, for the Ravens, it's, they can sit here and do nothing, and right. that's the position they've been in, so... I can understand why if you're Lamar's camp, you'd want to put pressure on the Ravens, and that effectively is what today did. Does this make any other teams more interested than what we saw so far with the non-exclusive tag? No, I mean, I think we would have seen something by now. These are such big box decisions. Like, this isn't taking – this isn't like rolling the dice on on a receiver. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, this is – like, we got to flip our organization upside down, go go and bring in the right coordinator to build the right kind of offense for him. we got to be comfortable with the medical. We have to – um, you know, be comfortable with the the structure of the contract and giving up two first round picks. Like this isn't the sort of decision that a team is going to say. Well, wait a minute. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right, like, right. All right. Like we weren't going to do it before, but we'll do it now. Like to me, like the next sort of checkpoint in this whole thing is the draft. Mm-hmm. And I think like there is a scenario where if you're you know a team picking in the top ten and you're not wild about the quarterbacks who are available to you, would you look at it and say, well, we don't want to give up a top ten pick for him, but yeah, yeah. If we can get past the draft, use our top 10 pick on something else, and then we're giving up a 24, or 25, 24 and 25 picks, and now we think we're going to be good enough with Lamar as our quarterback, where that just be the 25th pick instead of, say, the sixth pick in the draft. Well, now we're talking about something else altogether. So I, I, I think, like, if there is a pressure point that's going to change things here, it's not what happened today, although that does ratchet things up on the Ravens in particular. Yeah. I think it's getting past the draft and where, you know, like the draft pick compensation that would be going back to the Ravens gets devalued a little bit. Who has the cap space to even trade for him at this point? And I, I've been and the cap's a fungible <laughs> thing. Forget the cap. Yeah. The budget. The budget. I mean, everybody has budgets that they have to work with. I mean, you know, we're talking about the most important position in sports. 
Um, so, like, if you're going to do it, you're going to feel strongly about it. And if you feel strongly about it. You'll make it happen. Every one of these teams has the money to do something like this. Okay. So I don't think, like, I, like would you have to get it approved and everything else? Yes. Do right. you have to get owner sign off on the injury history and the draft picks? Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. But if you felt that strongly that you're willing to do what it would take to make it work for Lamar Jackson, like, in, with your team, then, I mean, you understand the financial part of it is, is, is a good fraction of, of what you got to do. I've been dubious on how available he actually is, and I think yeah. teams have been hesitant in doing the Ravens work for them and negotiating yeah, right, the contract, contract yeah. and then they would have final say. However, this, what he did today, could change that dynamic, and it could force the Ravens into a position where we are literally making him available at this point. If that does come to pass, where the Ravens start signaling he truly is available. How does that change how many teams now? Well, all the thing is, he has been available. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. he can talk to other teams, and like that. That part of it, I, I mean, nothing's changed. Like he's been able to talk to teams for almost two weeks. But now. the teams really believe he was available because I don't know if the Ravens, the Ravens just could sit back and. I mean, look, like there's enough conversation, you know, like yeah. where if there was a team that was over the top interested and willing to do what it would take to get him. Like again, like I just think that these are such big decisions. Yeah. It's not something that like, like something like that happened today is a big deal in the context of today. Right, and it's a big deal for the Ravens too because now you know just I mean from a public relations standpoint, you look at it and it's like, all right, like well this isn't just a contentious contract negotiation. They're at odds with their quarterback now. Right. So for the Ravens, it's a huge deal. But if you're another team, like I just I, like again like. Like, I, the best example I can give you is Stefan Diggs, right? Like, so, like, a few years ago, Stefan Diggs tweeted the thing. And I can't even remember what he tweeted. But he tweeted that thing that, like, the Bills were looking at it, and they were like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah, there's something he's, there. He's not happy. Yeah. And they made a call, and by the end of the day, the trade happened. Mm-hmm. And this was like no one knew that Stefan Diggs was even available. This is different for a couple of reasons. One, it's a quarterback and not a receiver, and B, and two <laughs> – I almost did the one B thing. <laughs> um, it happens. And two, and two, uh, like he's been available. Like you can talk to him. And so, like again, if there was any sort of like needle mover here, I think it's the needle moving as far as the relationship between the Ravens and and Lamar and the environment that the Ravens are now going to have to conduct business in with this hanging over their head. Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacks, Albert Breer is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. We're here at the owners' meetings, and so we sat with Josh McDaniels. We had a good 30 minutes with him, another 15 minutes with him outside. They have Jimmy G now in the mix, so they don't necessarily have to go get a quarterback at number seven. Uh, what do you think, out of those four guys that are there and, and potentially available, would be someone that would fit in with what Josh McDaniels wants to do if there, if there is a guy? Of the four, I mean, I think probably Bryce Young who's not going to be available to them right you know so I like I I think Josh is um flexible enough schematically to make it work for any of those guys and if you look at like his history you see that he's like he got Jacoby Brissett ready to go and sort of changed their offense to fit him when he was a rookie on I think four days notice mm-hmm. um you know he made an offense work for Matt Castle who hadn't started a game since high school uh so like his history tells you he can make it work for any type of quarterback. I just think like what you're doing right now for the Raiders is we don't know how often we're going to be drafting this high. Right. We don't know like how often we're going to have access to a quarterback who could be the answer for the next 10 to 15 years. We're probably not going to do it, but we need to make sure 
we know exactly what we're passing on. If one of these kids falls to us and we're sitting there on the clock and we have to make a decision. And so even if it is we're all in on Jimmy G for this year and we don't like we don't value any of these kids like where they'd be available, right. at least then you've done the work. So I think that that's a big part of it. And like I think Seattle's in that position. I think Detroit's in that mm-hmm. position. Like I think there are a few teams sitting there in the top ten that like have good veteran quarterbacks that like have to do all the homework because again you don't know when that opportunity to draft one's going to come along, and so you at least want to know what you're passing on if you're going to pass on them. And oh, by the way, there might be some teams behind you that do need a quarterback, and if they are uncertain right. that you might be taking a quarterback, yeah, that could induce them to want to trade Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you're playing that game uh, a little bit uh, as well. How how different does the Jimmy G? Raiders offense look compared to maybe the Derek Carr Raiders I, offense. I think, you know, it was one thing that was interesting talking to Jimmy was like how excited he was to have control back. And um, look, like Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan's offenses, I would say, are I mean, two of the premier offenses in mm-hmm. the league right. over the last decade. Uh, but they're very different also. And like if you want to look at the primary difference in what it means for the quarterback, well, in one offense, in the in the McDaniel's offense, the quarterback controls everything. The quarterback makes the mic call. The quarterback sets the protections. The quarterback adjusts routes. The quarterback does all of that. In the Kyle Shanahan offense, the philosophy is we're going to take stuff off the quarterback so the quarterback can play fast. Okay. Right. So yeah, yeah. the center does the mic calls. The center sets the protections. There's like I mean, a lot of times like like the two play call thing where it's like if you see this go to this, if you mm-hmm. see this go to that. So. Like it's, I mean, look, they're both like great offenses, but they're very different. And I think it's just interesting talking to Jimmy about that, like how excited he is to go back to having a little bit more control, and he thinks it's going to make him a better player. Um, and I think, you know, like was Derek Carr capable of some of that stuff? Yeah, like he was. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a little more comfortable with it? Of right. course, yeah. because Jimmy Garoppolo spent almost four years running that offense, learning that offense. And really, if you go back to his background, like he was raw as they come coming out of Eastern Illinois, right? Yeah. Um, and that was like very much like the old like Art Bryles, Baylor offense, basketball on grass, all of that. Yeah. Just go out there and play point guard and sling it, yep. right? Yep. And so really like Jimmy's like, like Jimmy's like incubation period as a quarterback was in that offense. And so I think like have, like I think like the, Having the quarterback that's so comfortable with ownership of like like having ownership over all of those things, I think should hopeful I think the hope is that that winds up opening things up for Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers right. and Hunter Renfro and like Josh Jacobs and creates an environment where those guys are more consistently going to be in a position to get open and to succeed in the passing game. Albert Breer is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So last year it felt like Dave Ziegler and company went all in on potentially winning. They went and got six wins. And so this season it feels like they're taking a different approach to it. And I don't want to say it's necessarily a rebuild, but it kind of feels like it's in the rebuild mood. Would you call it retool? How would you shape up what they're trying to do? I think um, this is just me talking. I think maybe they – took a little too optimistic a view of the roster last year. I did. And I th- I'll, I'll be the first to yeah, admit I did. I did too. Like I thought I, I may have had them in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I did. But I like I can I, like I do think like that there were fundamental issues on the roster whether it was along the offensive line, up the middle on defense mm-hmm. that 
like really they couldn't get past. And like I think part of the idea of going all in is like, all right, like we're going to create a window for ourselves and we, we believe in the core players that we have here. And, you know, I just think that they were lacking enough in those areas where it was time to take a step back. And sometimes like I, I think it does for a new coach, new general manager, take going in and getting your hands on the players and getting a better idea of what you have and seeing them in the context of your own system to really kind of have a real feel for where you are. So I'd agree with that. Like I do think they're taking a they've taken a step back. This is more of a long range view right. of things. And look, like I think Jimmy's sort of indicative of that and like and I, I use the same – like, it's going to sound bad because I use the same comp with with Derek when Derek was the quarterback there. But I think it applies where you sort of view Jimmy as, like, what Alex Smith was in Kansas City. You right. know, where – did they think that they were going to win four Super Bowls with Alex Smith, Andy Reid, and John Dorsey right. when they got – probably not. Right. But what that did for them, it was a, it allowed them to continue to build the rest of the roster up, not overextend for a quarterback that maybe they weren't wild about. Mm-hmm contend, build the program, compete. And then, like, you know, you can kind of cherry pick, okay, like, that's the one we really like. Right. And it's not easy to get that right either. And obviously <laughs> yeah. the Chiefs hit a home run with yeah, that. Yeah, they did. No well, question. But, yep. But, like, it did buy them the time. So, like, if you look at the first year, right, in Kansas City, they had the first overall pick. Do you know, like, who the quarterback's for in that draft? Man, I could even they they you, first Fisher went pick. number one, right? Yep. Yeah. That was so the line, quarterbacks but. in that draft were E.J. Manuel, <laughs> Geno Smith, who better now, but right, like right, at the time. Right. Nine years later. <laughs> you know, Matt Barkley. Um, there's a kid from Colorado State who went to the Saints, and I can't even remember his yeah. name. But it, but it was but, – but it's like everybody like thinks like you get in these situations where there's new coach, new GM. Right. Go get your quarterback. Right, right. Sometimes there's not one there for you, and I think like having, having Alex Smith afforded them – time to be patient until they saw something that they really, really loved. Right. Not liked, loved. Yeah, yeah. And went in on him. Right. And that's how they get Patrick Mahomes. And oh, by the way, because you spent those four years building the rest of the roster up and not spending so much capital mm-hmm. on the quarterback, what's Patrick Mahomes walking into? Right. A fully formed situation. Right. So I think with Jimmy, that's the idea is, like, you can compete and win with him in the time being. Mm-hmm. And if you can keep him healthy, he's shown he can be a winning player, no question about it. And you buy yourself time to find the next one. And maybe that's this year. Maybe it's three years from now. But you're not forced into, right. like, we're pigeonholed into this year and we have to get our quarterback Plus now. it's $13 million less this year, $30 million less over the next couple yeah. of years. So it saves them some money as well. Last question for me, having said all that, who are the Raiders taking at number seven? <laughs> no problem. No pressure. <laughs> you can even go position if you want. Um. That's a good question. So, like, I think they're going to have to make a decision on Jalen Carter. I think there's a good chance Jalen Carter winds up there. And, like, then you got to make a decision on the character stuff, which is going to be right. a tough call. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if it was somebody like Devon Witherspoon mm-hmm. from Illinois. Yep. Like, I where can. I think, like, he's a premium – plays a premium position. I think he checks a lot of boxes. Josh – has the background with Brett Bielema having worked with him in New England. So Witherspoon's one that I would sort of circle early on. Um, You know, the offensive linemen are interesting too, just because I do think that there are a couple of really good ones. Paris. Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, 
thing is you've got your left tackle. Right. So, like, if this guy, by definition, isn't going to come in and play left tackle, are you comfortable taking right. a right tackle or a guard? Like, because right. Paris Johnson probably play a right yeah. tackle. He probably kicks Garonsky into guard in the Raiders situation. Are you comfortable spending a top 10 pick right. on that when right. maybe there's a top-end corner available? So, I think... Yeah, they would, I think they're going to have a decision to make on Jalen Carter because I think Jalen Carter could get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe you go in on him, maybe you don't. If you don't, like, Witherspoon's just – I mean, it's just off the top of my head, but right. like may, would make all the sense in the world. Well, my final one is same kind of the same lines. I think that as long as they get – if they're not going to get a quarterback, get someone on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball because they have so many holes, but it has to be an alpha. Yeah. Right, it has to be the best of it. And it I just can't be a guy. Yeah. I do too. Gonzalez, yeah. I think he's one. Tyree Wilson could be one potentially. Jalen Carter, as you mentioned, it's just got to be. They don't have enough dudes, as far as I'm concerned, on the defensive side outside of Max. Right, and like I think you know, getting the corner position taken care of with a guy who's going to be in his rookie contract for the next five years, right. like, and you know, things work out. You take care of him earlier, earlier than that, but you have the guy, you know, cost controlled for the next few years. That means you're not spending twenty twenty five million dollars on a corner, right? Which you know helps you everywhere else. So you you know you think like with with Max and, and Chandler, and I know Chandler didn't have a great year, but he's still a really good player. Mm-hmm. With those guys at like the edges, I think they you know the next position you you have to take care of on the defense is corner, and um, you know if you value Witherspoon or Gonzalez at that level yeah. where you think he's worth the seventh overall pick it'd make a lot of sense to pull the trigger just pull the trigger go get a go get an alpha man because they need as many alphas on that team as possible well albert we definitely appreciate your time monday morning quarterback uh, anything you're working on in particular outside of everything here at the owners meeting yeah, that I we mean, should be on the lookout well, for well that lamar jackson bomb going <laughs> yeah. off and, i mean i we took you away from that we apologize yeah, no 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 all good all good that's good to get away for a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> appreciate your Collect time your thoughts right. thank you man thanks Albert Breer, Monday Morning Quarterback, joining us here on Red Nation Radio 920, live at the owners' meetings. Great stuff, really great stuff. Uh, kind of dropping a little gems here and there. Vinny, uh, actually, it's funny, we got a, just got a, a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line coming out to 408. Thank you, Albert Breer. I caught that on Jam- Jimmy G interview. He wants control of plays that he didn't have in San Francisco, something these D.C. fans say that McDaniels didn't give Carr. Carr just wasn't comfortable in the offense. I'm not a Carr hater or lover. I just want to win. So hopefully this myth of McDaniels wants the play run his way only with no quarterback audible is silly. And that's something that I picked up on as well when, when Albert said it, and I know he had talked about it before, but there's multiple layers to that. Yeah. And you had, I know you've said it multiple times, like there's – there's some quarter. You have some options there as the quarterback, right. regardless. Right. And I was told this not too long ago. Every time Derek went like this yeah. to his head, mm-hmm. he was changing the play at the line of scrimmage. Right. And look, it's not. You know, if you want your quarterback to do that over and over and over again mm-hmm. as a fan, then mm-hmm. what do you have an offensive coordinator for? Like, right. ideally. That guy gets you, uh, that coach gets you into the right look. Right. And then obviously you have some options to move into. If it's, if it, they're stacking the run, you go to the pass. If there's, if they're giving you room to, to, to run the ball, maybe you check to a, to a run. So there's definitely options within that. But you also have to understand, Q, this isn't Madden. Right. You still have to run the play that's with that personnel. Personnel in there. In yeah. there. All, all of that goes into it. So I think a little bit was, Overplayed, I think so too. In that regard, right, right. Um, you know, maybe some finger pointing, whatever the case might be. But I do think that, in and of itself, Jimmy G just having a better understanding of this offense, as Albert talked about, his 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 growing up as an NFL quarterback. Yeah. I'll use that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Was with Josh McDaniels in this offense, right? Like that's how he learned to be a quarterback um, in the NFL, and so. 
it should be fairly seamless going right back to it. And now also, um, you know, maybe as opposed to the offense in San Francisco, having a little bit more leeway himself. Well, you know, and the other thing that – and Albert broke it down really well, uh, which made me not have to kind of go over the question again. But, you know, he, he also explained what, you know, being in control at the line of scrimmage meant. It wasn't just – being, you know, uh, changing the play, it was also setting the protection, doing this, doing that. Right. You know, where we know the Raiders, with their center, Andre James would point out right. the protection. And so what he's saying is it's more than just that. Whenever we think, and I say <laughs> we just as laymen, just as regular people, me watching from the press box, not, I'm not in those meetings, so I don't know. Control to me means, you know, audible, this, that, or going, checking to this play, checking to that play. But it's more than that. It's, it's setting protection. It's doing a lot of different things communicating with everyone on the team, not just the aspect of the play calling. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's a lot to playing quarterback in the NFL, which is why in any given year, you probably you, sometimes you don't even have 32 that could do it very well. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like that's how the fine line and the, and the differentiator here is uh, in this league at this level uh, to when you're talking about a, a, a quality quarterback. There just aren't that many, and, it, and it's all encompassing. There's so much that goes into the position, and I, and I do believe, um, you know, just for the same reasons I think Derek Carr can go flourish with Pete Carmichael in New right. Orleans in that system that Jerry G or uh, Jimmy G has a chance to, to, to come in here and make a, a nice seamless transition and maybe, as we talked about, help this team be more efficient in areas that they haven't been efficient. The red zone, extending drives, third down offense, those types of things, scoring points when, you're, when, you, when you've got the chance to uh, down, in the, uh, the, down in the red zone. All of that could add up and make a big difference, but uh, we'll see. You know, right? No, I, no proclamation. No, no, and, and you but. just can't. And you know, I like I said, I say it all the time on the show. Like I went out and made the proclamations last year. I'm the one, so I ain't doing that this year. Right? You know, I, I've been there, done that. I'm good, man. I'm like, okay, this is what I thought was going to happen. This is what eventually happens. So you this know, year, I'm going to take a different approach, and I'm going to wait and see. What was interesting, and in, in, in my conversation with Dave Ziegler, um, even if they did make the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. even if they won five of those close games, right. they lost, right? It still wouldn't have changed what needs to change here. Right. It still wouldn't have changed the fact that the defense needs to get better. The defense needs more homegrown players. The defense right. needs more uh, explosiveness. And when they talk about getting your hands on the ball or the quarterback, yeah. none of that changes even if they win some of the close games. And I think that's what they sized up early on. Mm-hmm. There's some areas that need to get fixed, regardless of the record. If, right. it, was, if it was 11-6 and six or 6-11, six and 11, it doesn't change that. And I think that that's a healthy way of looking at it because that's the reality of the situation. Right. Yeah, no, it is. And you've got to have, you've got to have players, man. You've got to have players and you've got to have talent. And them making that run that they made in 2021 to make the playoffs, I've got to give all the credit in the world to the players because they busted their tail to get there and, Definitely. and went through hell and high water to get there. So I don't want to take anything from them. But, you know, it also it set, uh, you know, like unrealistic expectations for me. Right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I it, got, just, it just made everyone. me feel like, okay, this is a playoff team. Oh, and you went and got Devontae. Oh, and you got Chandler Jones. Right. Josh McDaniels is a better play caller. What could go wrong? And they, <laughs> it's going to be Disneyland. They gave it a shot. <laughs> right. right. They gave right. it a shot. They tried to build off of that momentum. Yeah. They tried to, whether you want to call it, uh, you know, catch lightning in a, in, a, in, a, in a bottle. But it didn't work. Right. And, and, and so if it's not working and those flaws that were pretty quickly detected, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're just going to pretend like none of that exists and keep trying to do that path, 
are you really doing your job at that point? No. Or, right. hey, it didn't work. This is what we really need to do, and this is what we need to get a little bit cheaper at quarterback, uh, maybe get a younger player in that position to build around, uh, kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles have done. Yeah. Um, as as, as uh, <laughs> you, miss, you, miss a, you miss the fist bump from Shereen. <laughs> Wait I, a minute, man. You I just, was, you just let Shereen Williams walk by you I and know, give you a fist bump, and you missed man. it. Unbelievable. On the, on, on the way back. But That's as, a Hall of Famer you just, you I know just exactly. left hanging. But as but as Albert talks Dang. about, you can wait on like like building the team is yeah. is the most important thing right now. Even if it's not getting your quarterback of the future right now, right? Don't waste your time. At least get a team built so that when you do find that quarterback, your roster is as strong as it possibly can be when that quarterback gets identified. No doubt about it. What question would you like answered from Coach McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, and owner Mark Davis? That's what we threw out there, 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. When we come back, we talked to Coach McDaniels early. We streamed that. You heard that on the morning tailgate. But we also went right outside, made a beeline, and we had another conversation with Coach McDaniels where you did not hear that. You'll hear that next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We're here at the Arizona Biltmore. This is the site of the owners' meetings in 2023, Phoenix, Arizona. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920, Vinny Bonsignor, your boy Q, and Damon Cotton. He's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio making everything go. We definitely appreciate him. And we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and also 69187, keyword R&R, the com text line. What question would you like answered from Coach McDaniels, head coach, or, or GM Dave Ziegler, and also owner Mark Davis? And we got one from Mailman Raider on our don'tbebroke.com text line. Q, I'd ask Zig, how close were you to getting the number one pick and who would you have taken? You don't have the picks, so now you can tell us, laughing mm. my ass off. Uh, you know, that's a question, though, that I would ask uh, because obviously they, you know, and I don't think we talk about that enough, that they were in play for the number one spot. No doubt about it. They were trying to get there, so obviously, I mean, it doesn't take a brain a genius or a, a, whatever the word is. It doesn't take a smart, smarter guy than me to know that that's a quarterback. Right. Absolutely. At number one, it would have been a quarterback. Yeah. I'm not saying, though, that they wouldn't. Rule out trading for a non-quarterback, up for a non-quarterback, too. Not all the way to one, though. No, no, no. No, not all no, the way to one. No, but maybe like three, four, five. Okay, there you go. Little little nuggets dropping from uh, Vinny Bonsignor there. Then Mailman Raider goes on and says, and for McDaniels, I want to know how he plans on using Jacoby and Hunter. They're going to be on the field together with Jacoby being more used on the outside, something like that. And Mark Davis, if he's looking for a roommate in his uh, Dr. Evil mansion, I got $1,000 a month for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think with Jacoby, it's it's definitely you know looking into his career. He's played on the outside. He's played on the inside. Yeah. Uh, what what do we have we talked about? Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, kind of like the yeah. way the Patriots have used that model before. The offense is going to look a little different, but I think the Raiders feel like the production can be better. Right. Whatever it, however it manifests mm-hmm. itself, you know who they're throwing it to. Obviously, Devontae is going to have a huge say in all that, and Josh Jacobs is going to be running the ball a lot. But how the ball is distributed might look different than how it's been done in years past here, but they feel like maybe they could be a more efficient, higher-scoring team as a result. I think the addition of Jacoby Myers was a really good one. I really do. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, I and mean, I don't want to get too high on, on any kind of addition because, well, I did that last year, and – Lessons learned, but I do think that that's a that's a good number two. I mean, literally, Mac Hollins got thrown into the number two spot, right? And he's not a number two wide receiver. No. Look, I, I 
I, I won't take any step back on the Raiders' offense. I think the Raiders' offense can be better mm-hmm. and and be a playoff caliber offense. I still believe that. Mm-hmm. I think there's too many good players on this offense to not think that they can be a really good offense. The question for me, of course, and it always comes down to this, how much can you improve this defense? Because right. if they can get this defense improved, then that's a big if. I get that. I understand it. But there's no reason why this can't be a Seattle Seahawks type of a situation. They, 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 there's a path to me to get to nine and wins. If everything goes right, everything has to go right. Right. Starting with hitting this draft. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Like the Seahawks did. Right. Um, but if they can, then there's no reason that they can't be in the mix. And they are also playing, what, a third-place schedule now? Right. That's that, that point, too. Exactly. That's, that's a little bit different. The schedule's a little bit different than what they faced in 2022. But, again, you always play who's on your schedule. Let's go out to the phone lines, though. 702-365-9200. We will hear from head coach Joshua Daniels in a matter of seconds. But let's hear from our friend Fargo Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how you guys doing today? We're blessed. Excellent. Glad to hear it. <clears throat> All right, I'll get right to it. So my questions would be um, for McDaniels. Without any coach speak, Mast asked for dogs on the defense to help him out. He is clear in his words when he said, you know, he can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense has barely been addressed. So what is the plan going forward? And we've heard how it's the last re- regime's fault for decades. You know, we're ready for wins now, so what? what is the plan for that? I would ask Ziegler, what's your contingency plan if you're unable to draft three-plus starters for the defense and now that seemingly the higher-ticket, higher-impact players have been taken out of free agency? Um, and how realistic is it to have a young guy as your backup when you have Tiny Jim as your quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like, clearly, he's going to be there till week six, maybe. How realistic is it to have a young guy there who's going to be learning the system as well to be his backup? Okay, and then Davis, I would ask him, what's your plan to help our fans get into the stands rather than the opposition? I know that it's, it's uh, you know, the investors buying the tickets, but what incentives can he offer? What solutions can he provide to keep the Death Star black? Thank you for taking my call. You guys have a great day. Good stuff. Yeah. Vinny, I'll, I'll pivot to you. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I think the contingency plan, if they don't come up with the three starters on, on defense, is the defense that they have in place right now. Mm-hmm. Chandler Jones, Max Crosby are your defensive ends. Bilal Nichols, Jerry Tillery with a heavy dose. And I did talk to Dave Ziegler about um, the two young Matthew, uh, Butler, Matthew Butler and, yeah. and uh, Harrell. I mean, uh, Farrell, yeah. um, you've got your three starting linebackers now. You've definitely addressed the cornerback position where – um, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but if they don't come up with the, the starters, they have a defense in place. Right. But, you like- know, the, the, to me say this real quick, and I don't mean to cut you off, but there's no reason to come out of this draft without three starters. If you've right. got 12 picks, right. including number seven, you should be able to find three. If you're, if you're drafting worth the salt, you should be able to find three starters. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, but, but they're going to go best player available at number seven or wherever right. they end up. That could be an offensive lineman. Yeah. It could be, and he either, probably would be a starter, right? <laughs> so, so there, you know. Uh, uh, but, but if we're talking specifically about the just the defense, because I do think they'll come out with three starters, one way or another. But if they don't, let's just say the the worst of the worlds collide. Mm-hmm. They feel like they have a defense that um, can go out there and compete right now, right now, right now. But that's you know, 
Fargo just kind of brought up the worst case scenario. What mm. if it doesn't happen? Well, they have a defense in place. If you're asking that question, right, right, right. Ideally, they want to come up with some impact players in this draft, though. Yeah, no, that's what that's what that's you, the plan. That's the plan, and that's how you keep having talent stocked in your covers. Right, right. Is is that's why the draft is there. You keep drafting young dudes, young dudes, young dudes. So at some point, you get a guy that's ready to go in free agency and make big coin. You can let him go. Because you have a dude behind him that's ready to step up. Right. I think Farrell Jr. and Butler, they need to do something in year two. Absolutely. I think that they're – because they, they were guys that a lot of people looked at as almost steals, especially yeah. Butler. And, of course, they didn't do much their, their, first, uh, their first year. So I think, that, uh, I think that they need to do something this year. And talking to Dave Ziegler about that, both have stayed in town, which is a wise professional decision. They're yep. at the facility working out, staying, uh, doing their due diligence. Will that turn them into great players? Don't know yet, obviously. But they're making the right decisions for themselves right now by being diligent and you know, staying local and, and, and working out. They're putting themselves in the best possible position to seize you know, their opportunities, whether that be as starters or as you know, rotational players in, in this cog. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to, 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 to really uh, answer that, but I feel like they've felt like some of these moves that they've made defensively have probably flown under the radar, but... They've, they've picked up some interesting pieces. You know, we talk about Spillane. We talk about, um, you know, uh, Brandon Faison. Uh, we talk about uh, the, the, the two cornerbacks, including David Long, that they brought yeah, in, David Marcus Long, Epps. I yeah. mean, we're talking about players that have played a lot of football, too. Right, Duke Shelley. Duke Shelley. He was a guy that a lot of Vikings fans were upset that I he know. left. I, I had no idea. I was like, oh, man, I got to do some research on him. So uh, he, he could be a sneaky good pick. So there you go. There's a couple of good texts that we got and a good call from Fargo. Thank you so much for that. We'll take a quick break, get to a couple more texts, and then you'll hear from head coach Joshua Daniels as we met with him right outside where we are right now. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Coach Scott Spinelli will talk a little March Madness, a little Final Four with us here as we're at the Arizona Biltmore, the spot of the NFL owners' meetings. Myself and Vinny Bonsignor and, of course, DeMond Cotton's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Around 7.45 this morning, we had an opportunity to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels. And then after that opportunity, which you heard that on the morning tailgate, we went outside and we had another opportunity to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels. And Vinny led us off with the first question. Here's that conversation. Josh is a player in this draft, Jalen Carter, um, who obviously has some baggage and it's a little bit raw when it comes to Las Vegas considering some of the recent history that, that's happened. How, how do you guys kind of assess all of that with, um, with, with what happened and yep. what's happened here? In I think I think the big thing is to, to really do our work and know the truth of everything. Um, I think there's a lot of things that could be said or speculated about that you got to be careful about pinning on somebody. Um, I think the reality for us is, you know, our interest in the draft is always to make sure that we know how we feel about the character of the human being that we're talking about, not just a rumor. Um, so we'll do everything we have to do to make sure that not only with Jalen, but any, any other player, we understand exactly what the truth is, you know, what, what we're talking about, who we're getting if we select them. Um, and there's still work to be done, I'd say, across the board in the draft on that we still have you know more than a month here to go so um i you know that'll all play itself out but um i don't i don't rush to judgment on any of those things because i think sometimes when you do that you'll make a mistake if that process takes you to a good place where you feel okay mm -hmm. you know this, this can work out 
any hesitation at all to no I mean if you feel like again we, we want to draft players that will represent the Raiders uh, both on and off the field the right way and um, we have a certain standard that we believe in um, so does Mr. Davis uh, he sets the bar and so to me once we once we've identified you know uh, and gone through our process um, if we feel like the player you know look we'll, if we don't feel like we're, we're safe to draft somebody we'll just take them off the board you know, and not even include that part of our as part of our process. So, um, once the process is done, um, whoever's left, uh, then they're they're all they've all been approved, and we'll go forward with with our process in the draft. But uh, we still have some time here before that happens. You referenced it inside there, Josh, about whether you would draft for need or best player available. Does that philosophy change at all, depending upon where you're picking? Because last year you picked up the third round. But yeah. Now you got a top seven. Yeah, I think. I think for us, what we've talked about is honestly, like if it, if it's a tie, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Then yeah. you might lean towards something that you're kind of a little bit more deficient in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you have to have a, you have to have something that's a tiebreaker. Yeah. And so for us, is if we say that, hey, this guy's graded here and this guy's graded here, but we're not really, we don't have a lot here. Mm-hmm. Like, should we pass a player that's really talented yeah. at a different position? It, it's never been a really good philosophy to take to do that. Because if you if you add a really good football player, I mean you're really not doing yourself, you know, really that much harm. You know what I mean? If you need to do something later on in training camp or something to patch up a position for another year, then maybe you do that. But um, for us, we're going to try to evaluate the best players we can, and then w- when each pick comes up, um, try to make a good choice. And if there's a tie, maybe we, you know, like yeah. you said, maybe we lean something where we need it. There's a little bit of reaction on social media the other day. These pro day things that kind of happens like you guys weren't at you and Dave specifically weren't at Will Levis's um, pro day. Is there anything? We were with Will the night so, before. Okay. Uh, so there's uh, there's just some scheduling things. We had our our uh, Bo was there, Champ was there. So I mean we can't be like this coming up this week too. There's a bunch of them on the same day, so it's just impossible to you know really kind of logistically be everywhere. Uh, we were down there uh, the night before. We're with Will, um, spend a lot of quality time with him, just trying to get to know these guys. You know, quarterback is such a position that is about fit, and it's not easy to determine that always. And so I think the relationship part of it is part of that. That's why we went down there quickly and did that. And then Bobo and Champ were there at the workout. We obviously can get all the video, so we'll have all that too. Um, and then we have the opportunity to Sean to bring him in for the 30 visit. So we'll get more time with these guys too. So it's not just quarterback. I know everybody's, you know, these, these places we went have multiple players at multiple positions that I'd say we have a significant interest in. So um, the quarterback position gets the headlines, I know, but there's some other guys at these schools that are really quality players that we'd have an interest in. You've worked with multiple different styles of quarterbacks, and there's multiple different styles of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. Is yep. there any kind of preference that you have, or is it – just no, I think I think honestly, like you look for a guy who's, um, you know, I always thought you you gotta be able to think, throw, lead, learn, and you know if, if you can do those four things, that's a great place to start. You know what I mean? Because in the in the National Football League, like those are the guys that honestly, when you look at the the last few games of our season every year, I mean, generally speaking, those guys are doing those things mm-hmm. at a high level, and some of them at an elite level. And so, um, you know, not, the other thing that I would say, Q, is that all these quarterbacks, and I've been evaluating them for quite a while now, 
they're all at different stages of the, de- the development. And so, you know, Anthony's at a different place than Bryce, and Bryce is a different place than Will, and Will, you know, is a different place than Hendon Hooker, and Hendon Hooker's a different place than CJ, and CJ's a different place than Hayner and O'Connell. And, I mean, there's a lot of different guys. Some of them have played more football, some of them have played less. And the more they play and the more they grow and the more they develop, you might reach their ceiling, and their ceiling might be a different place than they're at now. Most of them are. And so some of this is a... You, you got to look at what you see, the traits that they have, and then you got to project them into your system with your development and say, where's this guy going to be three years from now? Because you're not drafting a player and saying, okay, we're, we're happy with where he's at today. We, we, we think we're going to be happy with where he's going to be at three years from now because we feel like he has a chance to really survive and be a good player. When we were in New England uh, and had Tom, and a lot of times you guys are drafted further down in the draft, how focused and zeroed in were you on quarterbacks compared to like now where there's probably a need and you know we did it we did it really the same way um there might have been a couple times of anywhere we knew a guy was going to go uh like really high in the draft and we we knew we weren't going to be able to but for me I always looked at those guys anyway as an opportunity because we're probably going to play them at some point you know and you never know if your work that you do now Four years later comes back and you go okay we add this guy and you know i did my research then and kind of i'm familiar with the player so um i've always gone through that process and honestly we we drafted quite a few of them you know i mean from castle to o'connell to hoyer to mallet to garoppolo to Brissett to stidham i mean to matt i mean we've always kind of been in the quarterback business if you would uh even though we didn't necessarily need a starter um, you're looking for a solid backup. And like I said in there, I've, I love the idea of having a young player eventually be your backup quarterback where every year you're not looking for another veteran guy to put on a one-year deal to keep being your backup quarterback over and over and over again. You know, and, and so I think we've seen some dividends doing it that way and really like that process. And uh, if we can find a guy that fits that description this year, I'd love to do it. And how, how specifically? Sorry. How specifically then has signing Jimmy changed the philosophy, if at all, about taking a quarterback early in the draft? If we if we feel like the guy is worth it, Paul, I think we would do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and just and like I said, not be it doesn't say anything about anybody. Right. It's just he's a he's a really good player at the most important position in football, and so is making your quarterback room stronger or a strength of your team a bad thing? In our opinion, it's not. You know what I mean? It's a good thing. So. Uh, whether that happens or not, I don't know. There's a lot that could be done between now and then. But um, if a good player at that position falls, like that's what happened with Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, we took him in the second round, and you know, and we we had Tom, and it was like, okay, this guy's available, and it's like, holy cow, you know, yeah. like let's get him. So um, I'd, th- I'd say at that position, whenever a player, if you feel like he's worth it, it's worth taking him. So you just listed a bunch of guys too. Is that your order of preference? Say it again. <laughs> you just I, I listed them all out of order. So. <laughs> Don't read anything into yeah. that. There's still, I would say, there's still some some work uh-huh. to be done on that part of it. Yeah. Um, but as Q said, there there's very few of them that are the same. Gotcha. I mean, this this class is really, I'd say, it's pretty unique in that there's not many of them that resemble somebody else. Right. And so, um, doing our work on them and and like and I think they are they're all on different stages of their development so it's an interesting group you mentioned the players taking a leap in year two of your system do you see that being the case with Hunter Renfro 
I would love to believe that, yes. And, and again, Hunter battled through the concussion, the oblique. So it wasn't a – I wouldn't say it was a clean year relative to him in terms of his health. So I think, you know, I just talked to him, you know, maybe two, a couple weeks ago. I mean, it seems like he's healthy. seems like he's in, good, in a good place in terms of working out and being ready to go in terms of the offseason. I just love for him to have an opportunity to be healthy and go through the whole offseason and then into training camp. You know, and, and, and feel good about going into the season health-wise and then trying to stay healthy and see what he can do. I mean, obviously, he was a big reason I was excited about being here. I've had a long history of these kind of guys, you know, that I've had a chance to work with and was super excited and still I'm super excited about it. Josh, last few years, we've seen a, a couple of quarterbacks that were more, in the first round, more so off their physical traits, Josh Allen types, Trey Lance types, and there's another one this year that's probably going to go in the first round and Anthony Richardson. Um, when there's a player like that, how do you go up when it, he only has a one-year experience? For you? Yeah. How do you go about projecting what you think they are and what they, what they could be at the next level? I, it, learn as much about them as you can. Um, really get to know the, the person um, in as many ways as we're able to. So medium, being at the pro day, having him in our building, talking to him at the combine. Like that process has already started. And, uh, you know, this is a unique person now. Um you know, in terms of his athletic skills and ability, what he's able to do, uh, these are rare, as we saw at the combine. So, um, you got to take a look at those things, and then, and you also have to factor in what you think you want to have them do. You know, if they're playing for you, you know, and when we did Lamar a few years ago, the conversation w- was not going to be the same. You know, at that time, I think we had Tom, and it would have been Tom and Lamar, and it's like two guys aren't. We're going to be doing, you know, we're not asking Tom. We could ask Lamar to do some of the things that Tom, but we're not going to ask Tom to do what Lamar can do. You know what I mean? So there's some different, you know, conversations that need to be had about how you use a player, too, that has a really specific skill set and a very unique uh, talent. And, and AR de- definitely has that. We were talking about second-year guys. How about Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell? They didn't get a lot of burn in their rookie year. How much do they need to step up this year? Yeah, we're excited. Um, you know, both of them have already been there, you know, on their own with our strength guys, which they're allowed to do, and, and just really trying to put in all the time and effort that they need to to, let's say, start at a better place than they finished, which sometimes is a huge key for guys going from year one to year two. But, you know, invested, you know, in the defensive line last year a little bit in the draft, and obviously – if those two guys can have a really good leap here in a year or two, that would help us for sure. Jermaine is listed as a uh, guard tackle still. Uh, yep. Is there still a possibility that he could play guard and could there maybe play guard? You know, we talked to, to Jermaine as we were going through that process and bringing him back, and it's, you know, one of the one of the unique traits about Jermaine is he's like one of the few guys in the league that, you know, right tackle, played left tackle, played right guard, all in games last year in the same season and there's not that many players that that you can say that about and so Jermaine's versatility his ability to play right and left um, his ability mentally to be able to handle that because the calls are a little different on each side of the ball um, that's that's a that's a value you know and so um, we'll see how it shakes out Vinny I we don't ever go in there and you know like you guys saw last year when you go into training camp and just put them in one spot and leave them there and never move them, like I don't really think that's a great way to go because eventually, as we saw during the course of the season, we were going to need somebody. At you know, Dylan went from guard to center. Dylan played on both sides of the center at guard. Jermaine played at tackle and guard. You know, 
So there's a lot of moving parts that usually you have to, you know, go through during the course of the season. And, you know, preparing those guys for that early is better than trying to throw them in there at the last second and they've never really practiced it. So we'll use all the versatility we can with those guys, give them an opportunity to compete in there and see how it all shakes out. There you go, head coach Josh McDaniels. We met with him just after he actually met with everybody uh, earlier this morning. He met around 7.45, and then immediately after doing 30 minutes of a big roundtable, then uh, we went outside and caught another 15 minutes or so with him. And I thought he brought and dropped a lot of good uh, nuggets there in that conversation. Of course, we'll address that conversation more. Coming back, though, Coach Scott Spinelli will kind of take a little bit of a right turn. We'll do a little March Madness Final Four action as well. We know who the Final Four is going to be, but who is going to be cutting down the nets? We'll talk about it next here on Red Nation Radio 920.